Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Glad that we can be here together this morning to worship our God. Before we get into our sermon, I want to let you know about a few things we've got coming up. Lots of activities uh, that are going on this uh, afternoon, right after uh, this worship service. Actually, we have a teacher appreciation meal for all of our uh, Bible school teachers, those who teach our youngest kids, those who teach our adults. I know most of you have already signed up for that, so if you've signed up, we're looking forward to uh, being with you. Uh, We appreciate those who take the time uh, to teach our Bible classes. It is an important, uh, not only foundation, foundational things for our children, uh, but a maturing things for those of us who are adults. Uh, coming up on Saturday, we have our men's day. It's going to be over at Sam Brown's house, and we have a lot of information about that that's available. But man, if you're uh, not planning on coming to that, change your plans uh, and go ahead and plan on being there. I think it starts at nine o'clock on Saturday morning out at Sam Brown's house. We're going to have some lessons and some fellowship, uh, some games, all kinds of good stuff for, for the men to, to be a part of. So guys, please make sure uh, that you take the time to be a part of that. I think we're done by about one o'clock or so. So it's not going to take all day, uh, take a few hours of your time, and I think you'll benefit from it. So please uh, take the opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, next Sunday, we're having what we're calling a Heritage Day, uh, where our speaker from Men's Day, he's going to stay over. He's going to teach our Bible class on Sunday morning and also uh, preach for us uh, next Sunday morning. And he'll be talking about uh, the importance of us as a congregation, uh, investing in and loving our children and helping them to grow and to mature into who God wants them to be. We'll have a special time during service next week for anybody who wants to if you want your children to uh, uh, to come forward next week at a proper time, uh, one of our shepherds is going to uh, to pray over them uh, to, to pray over them specifically uh, for when they. Uh, our starting school and just uh, all the things that they've got going on in their lives. So hope that you will uh, take the opportunity to do that. Uh, the next weekend, we have Ladies' Day. That's a Friday Friday night and Saturday. Uh, ladies, uh, hopefully most of you have signed up for that. If you haven't already, there's a QR code that's in your bulletin. Uh, please make sure that you get that and be a part of that. Uh, I know your guest speaker, Laura Jenkins, she's going to be a blessing to you. If you will come, uh, you will be blessed. There's no doubt about that. So please make sure that you are a part of that. Uh, ladies, uh, and then the next weekend, uh, we have a worship leader and song singing uh, workshop. So if you want to be a part of that, lots of information about that in the bulletin as well. All that to say, there's a lot going on. Uh, And the reality is you cannot be involved in all of it. Guys, let's not go to the ladies' day. Uh, Ladies, you can't come to the men's day. So you can't be involved in all of it, but there's lots going on. There's something for you to be involved in here at Jefferson Avenue. We want you to be involved. We want you to be an active part of God's family here at JA. And there's no excuse and no reason not to because there's plenty of things going on. So if you want to be an active part of this congregation, we would certainly uh, welcome you to do that. Another thing that's a very important part of, of our everyday, uh, the things that we do weekly uh, is our care groups. If you're not already a part of a care group, we would invite you to become a part of one of those. Uh, those are groups that meet outside of our regular worship times on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, get together, uh, study and fellowship and, and, and just do life together. And I don't know about your family, but my family needs other Christians to do life with and we've loved uh, having our care group to be a part of that in the life that we live Uh, so please be an active part of any of those things as we have been studying this this year our theme for the year if we were to have one is going to be better and we're seeking something greater than what the world has to offer and specifically today we're thinking about something that's extremely foundational uh, but something that can always be improved upon we want to have better bible study Better Bible study. What does that look like? Not necessarily uh, in, our, in our Bible classes because our teachers do a great job, though maybe they could do better. Uh, we could improve those things and, and, and get even better at that. But, but what about you as a Christian? What can you do to have better Bible study? And let, me, let me give you the, the secret. Here it is right here. How do you want to have better Bible study? Just do it. Uh, ha- have better Bible study. 
uh, there, there's a couple of different um, uh, statistics that I looked at, and, and there's really all kinds of, of numbers that we could look at of, of how many uh, Americans study the Bible, how many Christians in America study the Bible, how many Christians in the world study the Bible. But the reality is none of them are very good statistics. Uh, none of them are extremely encouraging statistics, okay? If we think about it, the ones that specifically that I, I pointed out or wanted to bring out today uh, was LifeWay Christian. Uh, they did a study in 2019, so before uh, the pandemic, and it said that only 32% of Christians, only 32% of Christians read their Bible every day. Only 32% of Christians read their Bible every day. And then another study from Christianity Today said that as many as in, in 2020, from, from 2020 to 2021 during the pandemic, as many as 26 million people, 26 million Christians stopped reading their Bible completely. And now these were people who probably weren't reading their Bible a whole lot anyway. Uh, as a matter of fact, they may have been people who, according to their numbers and in their, uh, their, their stats, uh, maybe have only read the Bible three or four times a year anyway. But now they have 26 million people had stopped reading the Bible completely. Now somewhere, you, hopefully you fall somewhere in between those numbers, okay? Between not reading it ever uh, and, and reading it once every day. So hopefully you, you fall somewhere in the middle of there, right? Uh, how often do you study God's Word? What I want us to do this morning is to look at three passages, uh, consider three points, and then I want to hope, hopefully show you what does it look like, the importance of, and why is it important. I want to show you why it's important for us to study the Bible at least some. If you're doing it none, then once a day is better than that. Okay, certainly it would be great. It'd be wonderful for us to study the Bible every single day. And I think there's benefit for that. But if you're not doing it at all, I would challenge you to just start doing it one day a week. And then if you're doing it one day a week, let's do it a little more. And if you're doing it a little more, let's do it even more than that. Let's continue to study and grow in God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 16. If you're using a pew Bible, that starts on page 996. One of our black pew Bibles in the back of the pew in front of you starts on page 996. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll start in verse 16, a very familiar passage to many of us. But let's think first of all about the benefits of Bible study. Okay, if you, if you want us to do this, God, if you want us to do this, and if you're challenging me to do this, why? What's in it for me? Why should I do this? Is there any benefit to it? Let me absolutely say there is definitely benefit for studying God's word. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 16, again, familiar to us. All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's from God. And it's profitable. It's good for something. Okay, well, what is it good for? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now, now th- listen, to a, to a lot of people who aren't Christians, that verse doesn't mean anything. Okay? I realize that. If you're not a Christian this morning, that verse may, it may not mean anything to you. But if you're a Christian, that should mean a lot to you. And let, let, me, let me break it down a little bit and, and try to show you how, how important it is, okay? All Scripture is inspired by God. So it comes from God, first of all, that's important, okay? And God says this Scripture is profitable. It's good for something. Okay, well, what's it good for? Well, it, it, it teaches you to be right, it, it's good for reproof. Now, what's reproof, okay? I believe the version that was read to us earlier said uh, to rebuke us, and, and that sounds like a very negative thing, and sometimes we, we are in need of that negative correction. We're in need to be, to be straightened out. But maybe a better understanding of that word reproof is it gives you, the scriptures give you the opportunity to prove yourself right. 
It teaches you what is right, and then it gives you the information and the opportunity to prove yourself to be right. And then the next thing it says, for correction. When you're not right, it helps you to be right, and it trains you in righteousness. And that word of training, um, think about... Think about an athlete, maybe an Olympic athlete or, or someone who's training for a specific event, maybe who's someone who's training for a, uh, a marathon or something along those lines. This training is not the idea of just one day of practice, okay? If you're going from, uh, from the couch to running a 5K or running a, a marathon, this training is not just talking about, okay, well, you get up off the couch and you run a little bit. Or if you're an Olympic athlete, it's not talking about whatever sport that you're in, just that one day of practice, this training in righteousness, the scripture is profitable for all of that training, for the entire picture of that training. What, what that means is, if you and I will dig into God's word, it won't just be like we're, we're just doing one day of practice, it'll be like we're showing up at the Olympics and we're ready to compete. We're showing up for the marathon and we're ready to run. We're showing up for the Christian life, and we're prepared to live it. The benefits of Bible study is this life that all of us who are Christians here today claim, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, how can I become a follower of Jesus? How can I know what I need to do to become a follower of Jesus? You're not going to do it without reading the Bible. You're not going to know what God wants you to be. You're not going to be who God wants you to be if you don't take the time to read the Scriptures. It just won't happen. You may want it to happen. You may have a great, deep desire deep down in your heart to be exactly who God wants you to be. But if you don't take the time to learn what God wants you to do and to be who God wants you to be, if you don't take the time to ingest the knowledge, it will not happen. It just won't. So the benefits of Bible studies, it helps you to become more of who God wants you to be. Go back up to verse 14. Let's read verses 14 and 15. Uh, Paul talking to Timothy, he says, But you continue in the things that you have learned and become, com- become convinced of, knowing whom you have learned them from. Now we go back to chapter 1 and verse 5, and we learn that he learned these things from his grandmother and his mother. From childhood, he's been taught these things by these ladies that were in his life. Verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Okay, well, what are these sacred writings good for? They are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What is the scriptures? What do the scriptures help us to understand? And we can take it back even further and recognize that Paul's not talking about the New Testament when he's talking to Timothy here. Paul's talking about, hey, you remember how you know those sacred writings? You remember how you know Genesis through Malachi? You know the Old Testament? Those things, what are those things good for? Here are the four things that they're good for. It makes you wise. It helps you understand salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. If we want to know and understand how God works in this world to save mankind, we've got to read his word. And it's not something that that we just need to to focus on just on Sundays or Wednesdays or during Bible class or when we're... We're sitting around with our family studying God's word. We need to ingest these things often. What are the benefits of studying God's word? It changes our life. So what do you do? Here's, here's three things that I would encourage you to do. Do it now. Maybe this morning you would look, look at yourself and if, if I asked you or if someone asked you and if you were honest, hey, how often, how often do you study God's word? You'd have to say, well, not a whole lot. I don't really read God's word a whole lot. 
And maybe because of that, and, and maybe the reason for that is that, that you haven't seen a whole lot of value in it. And, and maybe, maybe you see a little bit more value in it now. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think about it. Maybe you just have this, this kind of general impression. Yeah, it, it'd be good to study the Bible. I, I should probably do that. But then you look at your life and you say, but, but I haven't before, so I'm okay. Listen, here's what I know. You can't change the past, but you can change right now. I don't know if you've studied God's word very well or very much in the past or not, but I know you have the opportunity right now to start doing it. So just do it. Do it right now. Start studying God's word even now. Do it not only now, but do it often. It needs to be something that's, that isn't just every once in a while, but you have committed yourself to understanding and to studying and to knowing God's word. And in order to do that, I'd suggest for you to do it rhythmically. Find a way. Find a place, find a time in your life that works for you. For some of you, that's when you first wake up in the morning when you're drinking your cup of coffee, you study God's word. For some of you, that wouldn't work at all. That would be the worst time of day for you to study God's word. For others of you, it'd be right before you go to bed. For some of us, we'd fall asleep if we were reading the Bible right before we went to bed. But for you, whatever it is for you, find a time where you can do it rhythmically, where it's a part of your everyday life, and this is what you do. And you know that you're going to do it at this time, in this place. And not only do you know it, but you are committed to doing it. I'm going to study God's word because it's important to me because it will help me to be who God wants me to be. So I'm going to set aside this time and this place to study God's word. Secondly, let's think about this morning. What's the purpose? Why? Why do we study God's word? This, this passage also speaks to this. Go back again to 2 Timothy three sixteen, And let's read 16 and 17. Again, all scripture, the Bible, is God-breathed. It's inspired by him, and it's good for something. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, why? Verse 17, so that the man or the woman of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, the last part of verse 16 says for training in righteousness. And it's this, this idea of the, the totality of your training. It's not just a, a one day or a, or a segment or a part of your training. It's all of the work and all of the training and all of the, the effort that you've made to be prepared for the, the day that you're supposed to compete in whatever you're competing in or to live whatever you're living. And so you're, you're thinking about these things. And now it says so that you can be equipped or adequately equipped. The picture here is that you're going into whatever it is, whether it's a, a, a competition or whether it's going into a test at school, you know everything you need to know in order to live this life. You know everything you need to know to, to ace that math test. You know everything you need to know in order to compete in these games. You know everything that you need to know in this meeting that you're going into at work. You are, you are completely prepared. Well, how does that happen for the Christian? It happens by studying God's word. And what are we preparing for so that we can be completely prepared for every good work? You see, here's the facts. And I want you to understand this. And you've probably heard things like this before. I've heard things like this before. Sometimes I've taken it to heart and sometimes I haven't. I hope you will this morning. In the Bible, God speaks into every circumstance of your life. God speaks into every circumstance in your life, either directly or through principles that you can use to make it through and get through anything and everything that you face. In the Bible, God will help you through everything in your life. 
Through the great times, you will recognize those great times from from God and you will praise Him. Through the terrible times, you will recognize through the Word of God, He still loves you, He still cares about you, and He has not left you. Through the Bible, if we will ingest it and put it into our Bible heart, our mind, then we can know and understand and wrap our minds around the fact that whatever circumstance we're facing, God is there He has not left, and if it's a good thing, it's because he has provided it for us. And he has work for us to do. The word of God, breathed out by him, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God, the child of God, may be adequately, thoroughly equipped for every what? Good work. You see, God doesn't want you just to know it. God wants you to show it. God wants you to live it in your life, in every interaction that you come across, in every person that you deal with. Brothers, husbands, God wants the Word of God to live in your life so that when you interact with your wife, it's godly. Wives, God wants His Word to live in your life so that when you interact with with your husbands, it's godly. Parents, and children, and co-workers, and anyone and everyone else, in any situation or circumstance that you can think of, God wants you to be so full of Him and so full of His Word that every interaction you have is full of Him and shows Him to the world around us. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, let's look at verses 13 through 15. Romans 10, 13 through 15. If you're using a pew Bible, that starts on page 946. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. It says there, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, well, that sets the stage for us and sets the context for us. This is a matter of salvation. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And I want to stop there and say, this preacher isn't talking about me. It's just talking about anyone who will proclaim the word of God. That means it's talking about you, potentially. Anyone who will proclaim the word of God. Okay, so let's, let's read it that way again. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without someone to proclaim it to them? And how will they proclaim it unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. This afternoon, right after this service, we are having a a teacher appreciation banquet, a meal. And teachers, I want you to understand, you are appreciated because you have the words of life. And you're setting them up not only in the hearts of our children, but in the hearts of our adults. We appreciate you because you are making an eternal difference. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. But brothers and sisters, I want you to recognize that the person who's going to teach you the most about the Bible is you. The person who's going to teach you the most about God could be you if you'll just read the Word. Now, you may need some help, and there's all kinds of people here ready to help you. But, but you have the opportunity. You have the, the chance to study God's Word, and to know it. And parents, what a great blessing, what a tremendous burden, how difficult it is sometimes to speak life, to speak God's Word into the lives of our children. But don't you know, parents, 
God wants you to be so full of His Word that every time you speak to your children, you speak God's Word into their life. Parents, have you ever been frustrated with your children? I have this morning. God wants me, and I am woefully bad at this sometimes. God wants me, when I'm frustrated with my children, to speak life into their life. I will not do that if I'm not full of God's Word. I won't, and neither will you. Lastly, this morning, this morning, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we'll start in verse 105. That starts on page 514. Page 514 in your pew Bibles. Psalm 119, verse, starting in verse 105. Listen how the, the psalmist describes his love and appreciation and, and uh, just his, his relationship with God's Word here in Psalm 119, 105. We'll read 105, 106, and then we'll skip back up to verse 97. Uh, we just sang this song, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, okay? We know how important that is. We've all been outside in the dark. We've all been in a dark room and said, man, I wish I had a flashlight. We all have our cell phones with us now. We have a flashlight on our cell phone. And we, whenever it's just a little bit dark, we probably turn our cell phone on. We understand the importance of having a light in a dark place. God says through the psalmist, my word is a lamp in a dark world. How foolish would we be to walk in the darkness of the world and not use the light that he has given to us? How foolish are we sometimes? We look to other lights, other sources that are not as bright, are not as good, and in reality may not shine at all. God says through the psalmist, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Verse number 6 from 106. I have sworn and have confirmed to keep your righteous judgments. Go back up to verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. It's what I think about all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are mine forever. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I perceive more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not a turn to aside from your judgments. You yourself have taught me how sweet is your word to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. For your precepts I gain perception. Therefore I hate every false way. What does that last part mean? Because, because I love your precepts, I hate every false way. What that means is the more we study God's word, the more we appreciate the truth of God's word, the more everything, well, everything else will sound like foolishness. The more everything else will sound like, that's a, that's a terrible idea. Don't you know what God says about this? No, that, that's, that's foolish. I, I would never do that. Don't you know what God says about this? But how many of us in our lives, me included, go through something and we're faced with a, a difficulty, a temptation, a circumstance, and we say, I don't know what to do. God says you never have to say that. If we will study his word, We can know what to do. At least general principles of what he would have us to do in every situation and in any circumstance in our life. Let me show you a little bit about the importance of Bible study and what that might look like. I don't know exactly how well this is going to show up, but I've got a container here full of ping pong balls. Uh, In your week, and this is true for your week and my week and everyone's week because it's all the same, there are 168 hours in every week I took that number and uh, didn't want to use 168 uh, ping pong balls because I didn't want to buy that many uh, and divided it by three. So each of these balls represents three hours. There are 56 balls in this container. 
tried to figure out, you know, what does it look like? This is, this is your week. This is all the time you have in your week. You have no more time than this. You have no less time than this. This is the time you have in your week. What do we fill our, our weeks with? Okay? What do we fill our weeks with? Uh, we spend about six hours a week eating. About six hours a week eating. So two ping pong balls eating. We spend about 18 ping pong balls sleeping. We spend about 14 ping pong balls working. And especially for those of the younger generation, we spend about seven ping pong balls on our phones. Uh, I also included that probably with uh, maybe you don't spend a whole lot of time on on your phone, but if you watch a lot of TV, uh, you might spend seven ping pong balls. Now, what does that look like? That means you've got 15 ping pong balls left. You've got about 45 hours left in your week after you sleep, after you work, after you eat, and after you get off your phone. Okay, well, one of those is pretty easy to change. Get off your phone a little more, you'll have more time, right? What do you fill your life with? If I were to say that most of us, and I, I may be being a little generous, spend two ping pong balls six hours a week in Bible study, would that be accurate for you? Six hours a week. If you come Sunday morning, Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night worship, and Wednesday night worship, that's four hours. That's not two ping pong balls. Let's say you spend a couple more hours a week, that's two ping pong balls. Uh, Now, not everybody comes to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible class, all those things. How much time, how many ping pong balls of your week, this is all the time you've got in your week, how much time do you spend in studying God's Word? Uh, you know, there's, there's lots we could say about the value of things, but I, I have found this to be true in my life and in the lives of other people. What we value the most, we spend the most time on. Maybe not the most money, maybe not the most effort, maybe not the most energy, but we spend the most time on what we think is important. Now, sleep's important. Work's important. Eating's important. The phone, not so important, but something that a lot of us participate in and and are active on. How much time do you spend in Bible study? So there's there's one way to look at it. Let me help you make it look at it another way. Uh, You know, you've probably seen before the idea of, you know, whatever we fill our lives with, uh, you know, the scripture tells us that, that from the heart, what we, what we fill our heart with, what we, what we invest in, what we think about, what we, uh, what we, what we set in our minds, whatever's in our heart, Jesus says, is that which comes out of our mouth. Anything that comes out of your mouth was first in your heart. Is that convicting to you? Whatever comes out of your heart is in your mouth. And you control, whatever comes out of your mouth is in your heart. And you control what goes into your heart. So when you or I say things we shouldn't say, why do we do that? Somehow we put it in our heart. When you or I respond in ways that we shouldn't respond, why did we do that? Well, somehow it got in our heart, and you put it there. Whatever comes out of our life, whatever we do, it's because it's what we're full of. And in our lives, again, you've, you've probably seen this before, this, this idea, but, you know, we're walking along with our, our, our ping pong balls, whatever we're filling our life with, and when we're jostled and we're, we're bumped, then, then things, things fall out of it, right? And the only things that can, that can possibly fall out of our life, out of our heart, is what? What's in it. Things that are not in our life, things that are not in our heart, cannot come out of our heart. You want to be like Jesus? How much time do you spend 
becoming like Jesus because you've put it into your heart. Because I promise you, you won't act like Jesus by accident. But but let's think about it just differently. What if it's not accidental? What if I have people that I want to invest in? I have friends, I have family members that I want to invest in. Well, you know, right now, this, this, is, this is what I've got. This is what most of us have. We, we might spend about six hours a week studying God's Word. So, you know, I, I want to do godly things. I, I want to treat my wife in a godly way. I want to treat my children in a godly way. Well, I've only got two ping pong balls worth of, of effort to do that. And once those are gone, I might be throwing out other things, but they're not godly things. They might be good things, but they're not godly things. How do you want to treat the people that you deal with every day? If it's not in you, it will not come out of you. Why is Bible study important? Because the people that we say we want to be does not happen just because we say we want to be those people. All Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When you interact with your family and your friends and your coworkers and the people driving down the road and your next door neighbors, what's going to come out of you? Only what you put into yourself. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning recognizing that we have faults and shortcomings and having a desire to do better. Lord, thank you for not making it difficult for us to do better. Thank you for giving us your word that we can fill our lives with and so that when we are faced with an opportunity to do good or a situation where we have to face difficulty, that whatever it is, good will come out of us. Lord, that's not the wisdom of the world. That's not the wisdom of Satan. That's not the wisdom of our friends. It is your word. Help us to study it. Help us to live it. Help us to be people who follow Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. This morning, brothers and sisters, uh, it's not hard. It's not hard to understand. It may be hard to put into practice, but it is not hard to understand. If you want to be like Jesus, it will not happen without studying His Word. What will you do this week to make sure you study God's Word more? If you're not a Christian this morning, uh, Scripture tells us that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you want to call on the name of the Lord this morning? Uh, The Bible tells us that when Paul called on the name of the Lord, the way that he did it was he was baptized into Christ. And so we think, because that's what the Bible teaches us, that that's the way that we do it. But baptism is not the be-all, end-all. Do you believe 
First of all, that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. Are you interested in Him becoming the Lord of your life? What does that mean? That means that His Word is now the standard by which you live your life. And you strive to. You won't do it perfectly, but will you do it faithfully? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected Son of God? Will you allow Him to be the Lord of your life? Will you confess that through your words and through your actions? And will you call on the name of the Lord in baptism and all of your sins, all of your past mistakes, all of your shortcomings, all of the things that are not of God that are on you, those things can be done away with and then you can fill yourself with God's word and be who he wants you to be. If, we, if, you want, if you're interested in any of that, I want to study with you about it. I want to talk to you about it. So many others here do too. Brothers and sisters, uh, do you need help? Yes, you do. So do I. If you need to let us know about things going on in your life so that we can pray for you this morning, we'd love to do that. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.